realize that no matter how appropriate it is to his new M.O., nobody's going to be intimidated by a dude called the mechanic. And all I'm saying is that I heard you the first dozen times you said that, and I don't even disagree with you. Well, you both make very good points. I think we should ask Delvin to settle it. I think I will. Here he comes. We will settle this once and for all. Settle what? We're not even arguing about anything. Hey, Delvin, do you think, whoa, you're not Delvin. Yes, I am. Oh, you're Delvin Cox. What are you doing here? Did Rick try to sell you Bitcoin? I have told him to stop doing that. No, 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 no. I'm here to help you cover Transformers 28. Oh, that is great. Wait till I tell Delvin. Mm, Delvin knows. He was the one who invited me on. We'll just see about that. Delvin! Is he okay? It's best to just let him run around until he gets distracted by something. I'm just excited for what's coming next. Uh, hi, everyone. Is John still being weird? Hello, Pat. Hi, Maggie. Here it comes. Here what comes? Oh, right. Hi, Delvins. Hi, hi Maggie. Maggie. It's two Delvins for the price of one as we cover the return of the mechanic and the return of the terror that is the Oregon criminal underworld tonight on Transformers Chronicles. <laughs> Transformers Chronicles, The Marvel Years. Hello and welcome back to Transformers Chronicles. I'm Delvin, aka The Dark Web, and in case you're new to the show, welcome. And let me tell you what this thing is all about. We're going for a wild, crazy ride, chronicling an awesome, wacky, and sometimes corny world of Marvel Comics, The Transformers. But I will not be going at it alone. Let's meet my chronicling companions, and today we have a full house. Let's start with the man who, despite his lifelong love of comics, has never encountered Marvel's Transformers until right now. And he wants to see what the fuss is all about with these robots in disguise. He is the founder of the Longbox Crusade. He is Pat Sampson. He is DJ Christatos. Welcome back, Pat. Thank you, Delvin. Thank you. It's great to be back. Wow, we got a full house here. I'm excited. Woo! Yeah, we do. Absolutely. Calm down. It'll be okay. We'll make it through. I gotta say it loud. <laughs> I gotta say it clear. No, look. That, that, that was that was two episodes. It's not too late. We're not starting on that again. <laughs> it is not too. Well, late. you know what? Since since we're already mentioning Mike and the mechanics, I do want to go now and listen to like a Mike's and the Mechanics Essentials on on iTunes that pro that wouldn't hurt. I know at least a few no. songs just based off of the jokes that Pat made. That counts as your update, by the way, Pat. I'm moving on. Next <laughs> we have our Transformers <laughs> expert, the lesser half of Mary Watching Cartoons and the Rod Pod. He is the provider of knowledge, Jonathan Schaefer Hames. John, what's up? And you better not say Mike and Mechanics. For for days I would wake up and it would be all I need is a miracle. I'm just we need a purge. How's it going, Delvin? It, it's going well, John. How are you? I'm doing all right. I think I had a birthday since we recorded last. Another revolution. Yeah, around we missed you on 27, man. That's right. I had a or 26. Me, we missed not. you on 26. My bad. That's right. I and I must say, um, I did quite enjoy. Um, it was sad not being there, but I did enjoy listening to it with all of you and laughed out loud many times. So thank you for filling in without us. Uh, but yeah, did a lot of traveling up north to see my um, folks. Maggie and I, um, 
got to go out in rural northern Wisconsin in a couple of touristy areas over my birthday, which is over the fourth weekend. It was a really nice time. And Transformers related, we we found an RC of the new uh, toy line and got that. So that was my Transformers related uh, birthday, I think. How about you, Delvin? What you been up to lately? Uh, I've been up to promotions. Uh, I just this past Saturday uh, got a uh, received my purple belt in jujitsu. Oh, nice! And I am super freaking pumped about that. Uh, that took a lot of hard work. I've basically been studying for this test the better part of a year now, and our instructor makes it very tough for a reason because it's kind of his personal line of demarcation between who is serious about uh, the martial art and who isn't. And so was very, very honored to receive that belt. So I would have been in class tonight, but uh, I partied a little bit too hard and got sunburned to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Me me and Carolina's son do not get along. I don't know what it is, but like I will not be doing any partying anymore outside in Carolina with my shirt off. I blister. I freaking blister. Just horror show you don't even want to know about it just the important thing is yeah. the good i've been told that too that I, I shouldn't be outside with my shirt off either <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> not a good sight i'm not built like well, you delvin I, I know pat 10 push-ups a day just start 10 push-ups you do that you know next thing you know beefcake i'll be, I'll be transformed yeah beefcake yes <laughs> that's all you need that's all you need we got to keep going the house is full and we're only 60 percent through 80% now that I'm about to mention Maggie Schaefer Haynes, the greater half of Mary Washington cartoons. How are you, Maggie? I'm doing well. Thank you, Delvin. Do you want to tell us anything about your life that John did not? Uh, well, the Brewers are seven games up in the National League Central right now, and the books are still in it in the NBA Finals. So it's been a good time for Wisconsin sports. It's been a lot of fun. We're happy you know when what? Milwaukee is kept in a good mood. And usually look, the sports yeah, teams do it. It's a very good thing. So, look, you you guys have a superstar. He's already in the making, but possibly all timer in Giannis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that dude is incredible. And I remember reading about him, and you know, people were saying, "Hey, you can make a ton more money if you go to the big city like New York or L.A." And he's like, "I I don't want to go to." or LA. I want to stay in Milwaukee. You know, so people were worried if he had a mental deficiency or not, but he doesn't. He's just simply a man who is loyal to the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. Wow. That is pretty cool, though. And I I, I appreciate that. I did see him say like he had a quote about, you know, wanting to stay with the city that had embraced him. And I, Mm -hmm. I thought that was that was very sweet. That's pretty cool. So it's it's actually been a roller coaster as far as sports go it's been a lot of fun as a brewers fan so the cool thing about it, i think the, the milwaukee sports fans too is that even if the bucks ultimately lose the thing that we're they're not going to be too disappointed because this is the furthest the bucks have gotten in a long time very the bucks have time. spent the majority of my lifetime um not being very good yeah the bucks have not won an nba championship since kareem abdul jabbar was in there 1974 in- that was before any of us were even gracing the planet. So that's, that's kind of been a oh, while. No, I was here. What? I was alive then. Mm-hmm. How barely. alive? Barely. Yeah. <laughs> In his diapers. Oh, no. You were, I mean. Actually, no, it would have been a few months, but it, it would have been right before I was born. So. Yes. Yeah. See, see. Right. <laughs> I, I have never. Stands. 
right, 80% of the way through, but we have to make it to 100%. So I have to introduce our special guest tonight. That would be Delvin Cox, who is all over the podcasting land, but best known for his podcast, The Delvin Cox Experience. Welcome, Delvin. I think it's fitting to say it for this podcast, Till All Are One. Oh, we'll say that at the end, but Till All Are One, sir. Till All Are One. Till All Are One. Now light our darkest hour or something. Yes. I have to I have to ask a couple of questions since you're new to the show. Okay. The first one will be just what's your experience in general with Transformers? I have a lot of Transformers in my house for one thing, an insane amount. Like I grew up on Transformers. The one of the first movies I ever seen as a kid was Transformers the movie. I saw it in theaters. And ever since that moment, I've been obsessed with Transformers. I used to watch it when I was a kid, even before then. But Transformers, the movie, was the one that really solidified my love for Transformers. Mm-hmm. And it just to a point where even like um, what like I in my house, I have all the seasons on DVD and things like that. I have six versions of the movie, not the oh, crappy, wow. not the crappy live action movie, but the um, eighty original eighty six movie. I have. See, you can stop right there. Like, I absolutely love you just for making that comment. But keep going. All right, keep going. (laughs) But yeah, I have the DVD, the collector's edition DVD. I have the remastered DVD that they came out with. I also have a, not remastered, remastered Blu-ray they came out with. I also have the, kind of the bootleg Blu-ray that came out by a Japanese company that because they weren't releasing the Transformers, the movie on Blu-ray, they just released one. And so I ordered it online for like 50 bucks. <laughs> I like this I, guy. And I have the steel book of it. And now I have coming soon the UHD 4K Blu-ray of it coming. Man, Dang. that, that is, is some dedication. Yes. yes. Yeah, we absolutely applaud that. Absolutely applaud that. And the second question that I have for you is, and you can name one or two if, if you can't just stop at one, but who is your favorite Transformer? That's easy. Optimus Prime or Rodimus Prime. Both of those, my one or two. You cannot choose both. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> correct because I feel like anybody who watched the 86 Transformers movie, Optimus Prime has one of the best fight scenes I've ever seen in any movie. It's kind of John Wayne-ish the way he goes out and literally takes out all the Decepticons, yeah. fighting for justice and stuff like that. And then Hot Rod comes out like a sucker and causes, <laughs> causes Optimus mm. Prime's life. So that made me furious. Then as I watched the movie go on and watched that character grow to be Rodimus Prime, I grew a love for that character. Like an insane. Then after that, which I thought was really cool because most cartoon movies don't continue after the movie. Yeah. Transformers next season was after the cartoon. So I got to watch Rodimus Prime become a leader, fail multiple times as a leader till he kind of got it right. And then in the show, they just like, ah, oh, let's bring Optimus Prime back. <laughs> and then he got to be back like Hot Rod against like, okay, that was an interesting ride. But I love Hot Rod. I love Hot Rod. I love Rodimus Prime. I love the story that they told with that character in the cartoon series. I do agree with you. It's very rare that you will get a chance in a cartoon to see an arc like that. Usually like of a character like Optimus Prime that made the decision to kill him off, he's just gone. He ain't coming yeah. back. And that's not the, the choice they made. I, but as everyone found out, I think everyone here has watched the toys that made us. They realized what a mistake they made in killing yeah, Optimus Prime was. because they just didn't know that he was like that dude. And once they realized that, then they brought him back. And, and 
I wouldn't say that they, I wouldn't even go so far as to say that they rectified a mistake. I will say they brought him back and it definitely added to Optimus Prime's cool factor. And, and I can, I honestly can see uh, why you have a love for Optimus Prime. I'm, I'm only joking about that. He, I'm personally just not a big fan though. I have a question for all of you guys. Go have for it. Have you ever seen Transformers the Headmaster series? And do you know what that is? I have seen some of it. I, I have not, not seen yeah, I have not okay. seen any of it. I know what the headmasters is. kind of are. After Transformers series was captured in the US, they picked it up in Japan and continued the series in Japan for like multiple more seasons. Same animation, same everything. And they went, I think it goes from Headmasters to Headmasters God Force, and it keeps going on with the same animation from the original series. It's so weird and so cool at the same time. I recommend just trying to like watch a little bit of it. Don't watch the English dub. The English dub is awful, but it's just really, watch like a sub. Is it do I have a subtitled version? Yeah, you can buy it on DVD now. A long time you couldn't get it unless you went to like a anime shop and they were selling like um DVD bootlegs of it. But yeah, it's a it's a long series by the way. It, it like it goes on for like at least five more seasons. They introduced new transformers and everything. Like six shots introduced in it. Um. They kill off Ultra Magnus in the series. It's really cool. I did not know this. Yeah, it, it's really it's really cool. They bring. I think they kill off Optimus Prime too in it again. Well, it, we have talked in this uh, in this Transformers Chronicles about how Optimus Prime he, he kind of dies a lot. Yeah, it's, it kind of becomes his thing. The the funniest and interesting thing about this cartoon series, the Japan version of, is it at least is as each season goes on. It becomes more anime-ish. Like the first mm-hmm. season after when they first took over the license of it, feels like a another season of Transformers. Like it, it, it would literally fit right the, right in with the rest of the seasons. But as it goes on, it gets more anime-ish and Japanish in terms of like, okay, the regular Transformers. No, now they can turn into like big giant robots and <laughs> they can tr- can turn to like mech suits and stuff and carry swords. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is literally becoming Voltron at this point. Well, dang. Well, Delvin, you have more than proven that you are fit for this show. I'm not surprised at all. And I should go ahead and read the mission statement. And let's start talking about Transformers 28. But first, the purpose of this podcast will be tackling all of Marvel's Transformers comics in order, starting with issue one and working our way to the series end at issue 80. We will answer any questions that are brought up to the best of our ability and see how these books we loved as a kid hold up to our cynical adult eyes. This podcast is guaranteed to be, you guessed it, more than meets the eye. So John, Maggie, Pat, Delvin, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, Mike, let's talk about the return of Mechanic right after this promo. That mechanic's poison. <laughs> never touch, never trust a big wrench in a smile. <laughs> Girl, I must warn you. I sense something strange in my mind. Yo, situation is let's kill it because we're running out of time. <sighs> intolerable, just intolerable. For three years, those casters of pods have thwarted my plans. I, Mephisto, simply don't know why I bother. Maybe some streaming will cheer me up. Let's see. 
Oh, my cue is a Brobdenagian shambles. These cartoons don't belong together. First, giant transforming robots, then colorful ponies. Bah, it's enough to drive one mad. I... Wait, that's it. That's how I'll conquer those casters. First, I'll drive them mad with the most insane, diabolical, cockeyed crossover comic ever. Finally, they will be mine. <laughs> Mephisto versus the Podcasters 4, covering Transformers, My Little Pony, Friendship in Disguise. Yes, really. Featuring the Married with Comics Rod Pod podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. And the Outcasters, a Batman and the Outsiders podcast. Coming Halloween 2021. Autobots? My very best friends. We now return to the Transformers. Welcome back. The issue we will be covering today is Transformers issue 28. And here's John with the cover description. Optimus Prime's ghost points down at us from the corner box beneath the Marvel logo, ready to dispense divine justice from beyond the grave. The more than meets the eye and Transformers logos are in white, the latter with a dark blue trim, which stands it off against the sky blue background that shines down on the action. The mechanic strikes again, a caption in yellow tells us, and white text in a red burst further down on the cover tells us, and the Autobot strike out, which probably would have worked better as a metaphor if the action on the page didn't involve our old friend the mechanic swinging and not missing at Blaster and Bumblebee, sorry, Goldbug, uh, using a massive tree trunk as a bat. And yes, I know the caption refers to the Autobot striking out and not the mechanic, but really that just raises further questions. Anyway, Blaster and Goldbug are both shown twisted in a bizarre manner from the impact of the tree to a degree that I had to look at this cover for quite a while before I could figure out exactly what was going on. But once I was able to figure out, I actually kind of like it. And that is number 28's cover. Thank you, John. And we are going to talk about it. So, Delvin, you are the guest. So please tell us, what, what do you think about the cover? I hate this cover. I did not like this cover. It took me five minutes to realize what was going on with this cover. Is he, who's hitting first? I couldn't, I barely could see the mechanic in the corner. And I'm like, is, is he hitting it with a, a, a twig? Is that a, I'm like, oh, that's a tree branch. Like, then, then I was getting confused. I'm like, I think that's Blaster. Why is his legs like that? And then, I said, oh, that's gold. And then I realized there's two Autobots in the picture. It was just convoluted and confusing to me. I'm like, and then now I got to the harsh reality. Like, oh no, this is a human issue of Transformers, and I'm not a fan of the human issues <laughs> where Transformers fighting the average guy and the Transformers losing to the average guy. You know. In 26, there was similar. It had the mechanic in it, and we had a guest on, uh, Rick Heineken, and Rick said something similar that he was hoping for a rock'em sock'em robots. And, you know, there was this human there with his flesh and his bone and teeth and stuff, and he didn't like it. Okay. All right. Let's move on to Pat. Pat, what do you think about the cover? Well, before I begin, I'm just going to say uh, here, chalk another one up for being with Jonathan. 
that I'm was also too. What's going on here? Who's whose pants are those? Is it uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> blasters pants? Or I, I didn't know. I'm like, where am I missing another robot here? And <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> it is. It is definitely is. And then you see the little mechanic guy. I'm like, oh no, mechanic guy. <laughs> but I can see what they were going for with this, with showing him very small because the Autobots are large. So it makes sense that he's just kind of whacking them behind the knee once you figure out what's actually happening here. But uh, the coloring is nice, though. I like the blue, that white into blue burst that's going on. I think that's Mm -hmm. really cool in the background. But that's about it. Okay. Okay. Maggie? Yeah, I'm right there with everybody else. I was really confused by the cover for a minute. I had to look at it for a bit. I saw the legs and the tree branch and then blaster, but I wasn't connecting (laughs) those images together but similarly too like once i figured out what was going on i actually grew to really like the cover i i just my eyes just had to look at it the right way but i like it well enough i like the colors i like the little tiny mechanic i do like the 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 text with the the mechanic strikes again and the autobot strike out i just i like that repetition i think that's kind of neat i like the cover Eh. um um just kind of stunned, you know, somebody with some positive things to say. <laughs> we will we will pass it on to John. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't hate it, but I mean, it was really confusing. And I seriously I don't remember another comic book cover that I had to just look at for so long to figure out. I think part of the issue is the choice to have the mechanic down in the bottom right corner, which is the last place your eye goes. And then so right when you're looking along just from a standard left to right up and down way, you the first thing you come across is these legs twisted in this weird way. And you're like, what am I looking at? And Goldbug's head, it took me a while to realize the angle I was looking at it. But then once I realized what's going on, it's it's like looking at like a optical illusion, you know, drawing. And then once you see what it's supposed to look like, it all came into place. And it was like, it's a pretty fun action, like to cover. You can finally see the ship. Exactly. It's a schooner. <laughs> <laughs> the sailboat. So, yeah, I mean, but, man, this because this is definitely the weirdest cover that I think I've seen so far. How about you, Dylan? Dylan Cox, like you're about to say something, so go for it. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, you know how I feel about this cover. I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I do not like this cover at all. And I'm on the other side. I really do like the cover. And I don't know, maybe I have learned a lesson about people seeing things in a, in a different way. It seems like it could be some allegory for like some huge tale about, you know, how people see it, but that's not really what I'm going with that. I just say, I, I looked at it and I saw immediately what was going on. And so it didn't confuse me. Um, and, Are you trying to tell us you're better than us, Delvin, that unlike us, you were able yes. to figure out what was happening and, and no. we, the peons of, oh. Absolutely it not. Sounds because, a lot like that's what you're saying, Delvin. No, no way. You, you <laughs> I, had told you. I know you are. You okay. you were saying before though, this was this might be the first time you've read this book, right? Exactly. Yeah. I was gonna get to that. I mean, I had seen this book, yeah, I don't know, it was 87, carry the one. Oh my god. <laughs> 34 yeah. years ago. So I and I, I'm looking and I don't know whether this is the original copy I have, but it looks a little bit worn. So I looked mm-hmm. at this book a lot. And so when I looked at it, I already knew it was the mechanic swinging a tree at Blaster and Goldbug. 
and hitting them. And it's like, okay, I saw what's going on. And I, just like Pat mentioned, I like the dynamic blue. Blaster is a cool character. This is the first time that we're seeing Goldbug in the book. And even though Pat's going to read it in the cover credits, the person who drew this is Ian Aiken, the inker. And that surprised me. I did not know that because I went to Mike's Amazing World and saw it. I was like, what? Sure, that's a typo. And nope, I looked and right at the bottom left, it has Aiken 86. So Hmm. they knew about the plot of this uh, back in 86 and Ian Aiken drew this up. So it was pretty cool that the inker of the book is the one who drew this cover. So it made it even more unique for me. So That is actually cool. I will get it for that. Yeah, those, that's my bit on it. So, yeah. And also, I am better than each and every one of you. So, transitioning <laughs> on. <laughs> Looks like we've got a star scream on our hands. <laughs> Hopefully, no Galvatrons nearby. You've heard her thoughts. <laughs> Let's rate the thing. If you don't know on Transformers Chronicles, we rate things on a scale of 1 to 10, like the tech specs of the original toys, 1 being the lowest. Tim being the highest, Delvin Cox is going to tell us what he would rate this cover. I'm going to go five. Okay. So middle you didn't road, hate it, hate it. I didn't hate it, hate Middle of the road, mediocre. Got it. I can live with that. John, one of ten. Uh, so I'll give it a little bit more. Uh, I will give it a seven. It's the weirdness of it holds it down, but it's not terrible. And I ultimately like it. It's just not as good as some of the, the other ones that I've rated eight or above. Okay, we'll pass it over to Maggie. I'm going to give it an 8. I really like the cover. I like the swish marks. I like the coloring. Once I figured out what the heck I was looking at, <laughs> I found myself oddly drawn to this cover. I'll give it an 8. I liked it. Nice, nice. Pat? I'm going to be with John on this one at a 7. And I think I knowing that it's the inker helps a little bit more. And you can see the detail that he was putting in this is very well done. But like you said, Delvin, you've seen this one. You've read this one many, many times. So you knew what was happening into it. So mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that I see it and now that I've read it and now I see the cover again, I can see what it was trying to portray. But when I first looked at it, I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And that is very important because, I mean, we all come in with different perspectives and yours is of a newcomer. So when you see this for the first time and you looked at it and you're like, I'm kind of confused, then maybe... Mm-hmm. Back in 1987, if you're looking at it, you might be like, yeah, I might skip this one and buy Spotty or something like that. So, yeah, absolutely matters. I'm going to tilt it at a nine. I'm like teetering at that eight point, but I liked it. I like it struck out to me and the colors really did it. I like seeing Blaster on the cover uh, because it looks like at this point in the book with Optimus gone, with Megatron gone, that they're bringing out new stars. And they've already kind of hinted that Blaster might be one of those people that they're going to base the book around. And this seems like a pretty good hint as to maybe Blaster is going to be one of the heroes that they're going to be spotlighting uh, now and in the near future. So I like that. So uh, I was around eight-ish or so, and I'll bump it up to a nine. And with that, here's Pat with the credits for this issue. All right. Well, thank you, Delvin. We are looking at Transformers number 28. Its on-sale date was February 17th, 1987, but its cover date was May 1987. Cover price was just $1. Oh, man. Those were the days. Story, Bob Budiansky. Pencils by Don Perlin. 
inks. Ian Aiken and Brian Garvey. Colors is Neil Yamtov. Letters is Janice Chang. And editor is Don Daly. Cover credits, as Delvin mentioned before, was Ian Aiken. So getting the double duty there. And this is all brought to you by Mike's Amazing World and tfwiki.net. Thanks, Pat. Also, you said duty. And we can now get to the synopsis. It is a world transformed where things are not what they seem. It is the world The title of this issue was Mechanical Difficulties. We met Nestor Forbes in issue 26 of this series. You may remember him as the mechanic, the guy who stole what amounts to a power lever from the Autobots base, the Ark, as well as a heat laser and a cryogenic gun from Ratchet. What has he been doing in the meantime? Well, stealing stuff, of course, and he has caught the attention of two entities. One would be the Portland Police Department, other would be the Autobots, now led by Grimlock. Let's talk about Grimlock for a second. His style of leadership seems to be different from that of the trash. deceased Optimus Prime. Was that Delvin? It's trash. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> Grimlock orders Blaster and Goldbug to retrieve that which the mechanic has stolen and will not take failure of any kind as an option. On the side of the Portland PD, Thinking that the mechanic may be in cahoots with the robots, the orders they have are to stop the robots first, get to the mechanic second. With both of these factions having their own way to track the mechanic, the stage is set. When the humans and Autobots don't work together, the mechanic gets away. When they do work together, thanks to Blaster's smart thinking, they are able to thwart the mechanic's grand scheme of weaponizing vehicles and selling them to the highest bidder. The mechanic does escape, however, still, still geared up. Blaster and Goldbug, not eager to return to the Ark to face Grimlock's wrath, head in the opposite direction and on to other adventures. So let's talk about the book. On Transformers Chronicles, we take turns bringing up something for the comic, starting with but not limited to goods, bads, and then everyone discusses... Delvin Cox, start us off first, sir. What do you have? Let me start first and foremost saying I hate the mechanic. <laughs> I, I, I wish that, that just, if Blaster would have just shot him, you got to kill any group. Just kill one. Just kill this one. And we can solve this problem immediately. But I will say this. I do like this different dynamic of the Autobots being led by Grimlock in terms of how he is so different than Prime and even Rodimus Prime for that matter, where he is kind of like a, no, you do things my way, or there's going to be consequences for it. There is no conversation yeah. about it. We don't necessarily care about these humans. Yeah, because he constantly says, like, yeah, if they get in the way, just kill the humans. It's like, yeah, he did. Almost Decepticonus in a way. Mm -hmm. He really kind of went from zero to um, megalomaniac from last issue to this issue because basically he went from risking his life to save a human from Trypticon 
to, well, that's my duty for all humans. Anymore, you see, you can just step on, I guess. Also, he's he's now made the complete transition from Grimlock, who talked tough but intelligently, to me, Grimlock, this. His personality is going to shift even more so going forward from here in the comics, too. Yep. Basically, he could just put on a tap-out t-shirt and be done with it. The, uh, Pat, what do you have? You know, I'm going to agree with Delvin Cox on this, that the mechanics, it's like, oh, man, who is this guy? Is The best human so far that they've been able to hold their own uh, was... Circuit Breaker. Circuit Breaker, yes. And, you know, and that was a great character, and it was really a good buildup to Circuit Breaker coming around and just what she was all about. Mm-hmm. And this mechanic guy is just like... Come on, this guy—he's a chump with a with a powerful weapon or what? You know, it's like I don't know. Disappointing to me. He's peak '80s comics. Yeah, like, like I can easily see the mechanic like in a Hostess commercial, feeling oh, Hostess guys and yeah. Spider Man webbing them up. Oh, it's like somebody who fights Howard the Duck. So it seems like the consensus is not many people are fans of the mechanic. Will he be Which back fair again? Enough. I, I'm like I'm not I'm not saying one way or the other. Oh, I'm not yeah. even going to try and sway as much here. You know, we got a full house, so I'll, I'll be more of the facilitator. Is he going to be fac- back around again? I don't think so. No, no. Did they shoot him? <laughs> no. Just forget about him. Damn. I can't remember. I, I think the, I think he's done. I think he's okay. done for the book. So man, then he's the most successful supervillain in the history of Marvel Comics. Then I mean, he gets he just got away scot free. He's at large, and he still's got the weapons. Yeah, he's got that very powerful uh, lever, and he's got a heat gun, and he's got a cold gun. Yeah, hmm. I mean that right there could put him in the top three of like Flash's Rogues Gallery. But in any event, <laughs> Maggie, uh, what do you have? Uh, okay, so the first thing I was going to bring up doesn't actually relate to the mechanic at all, because he is kind of a forgettable sort of a character. Um, but the first thing I was going to mention was another moment in the book that actually really confused me. And it's when, aside from the fact that suddenly Bumblebee has an entirely new identity with no explanation, for me anyways, I have no idea where that comes from. So he and Blaster are on their way back to the Ark, and the, having failed in finding the mechanic. And I think Owen oh, Goldbug asks, think he'll be angry asking about i, I assume grimlock mm-hmm. and blaster responds very gold bug and then in the next panel the first there's bubble mis- that you read is about what commander grimlock yeah there's some missing dialogue bubble yeah, there i was confused the, there too yeah, yeah I think i'm like what i had to read in it the again. UK, in the uk version of it from according to the wiki they added a a line of dialogue from grimlock to make that line make sense, but it just, it, there was supposed to be a dialogue bubble that, that somebody just didn't do. That's so, yeah, they just, just didn't even do it. Okay. Well, good. I was like trying to figure out what was going on there. And it turns out it's just a mistake because it didn't make any sense. And he's picking out a crown. John, I have Miss John. Go for it. To kind of tag on to what Delvin Cox was saying earlier about Grimlock's leadership style. It's, I actually did not read this one as a kid. This was one I remember going to because I was not pleased as a child with uh, Grimlock becoming leader of the Autobots. This was not sitting well with um, 12-year-old me. And, and I, re- I read the first part of this one in the, com- in the comic shop, got to the bit with Grimlock putting on crowns and put it back on the rack, and actually didn't read a number, of, didn't read this for a couple of months. 
looking at it now, it reminds me of of a concept in comic books, which I do love, where they put somebody in charge who is who wasn't in charge before, or, or give somebody else the mantle, like you know, mm-hmm. John Paul Valley as Batman or John Walker as Captain America, just to really remind you of what you've been missing. The old thing, and you can really have opportunities to tell good stories that way. Usually by you know having the other the one in this case, Grimlock, you know, try and fail and struggle and then ultimately, you know, succeed and be replaced would be the way the arc would normally go. We're not going to see quite that, but I'm not going to spoil anything. As I recall, as this going, it goes in a little different way than the normal one does. So it's going to be interesting to, to read now, not having that instant hatred for the concept that I had as a kid. It's interesting. Grimlock was pretty dang heroic in issue 27 and doing the things that he did. And he immediately reverted to a different form in issue 28. Interesting choice to have him as a leader. That's for sure. And it doesn't seem like it's the most popular decision right now with the Autobots. But there could be other things to talk about in the book. We're going to start it back over with Delvin Cox. Well, I thought the issue in general was just fascinating. Like I said, this whole dichotomy of focusing on two Autobots, Goldbug, and Blaster I thought was pretty cool. I, I like when you have issues like that, honestly. I like the see the camaraderie between two Autobots that are not necessarily mainstays in the series. I love Blaster for one thing. I thought Blaster as a kid was super cool, and I like that this issue focuses on him, and he seems, for the most part, this issue very intelligent and very smart, and he's the one who kind of solves the problem in the end, like, hey, we're not going to f- solve this problem if we fight each other. The only way we're going to get through this is if we work together. And he kind of the big hero in this issue. So I thought that was cool because you didn't really get to see that in the cartoon series except for that one part where in the, in the movie, everybody knows and loves where Perceptor is getting jumped and Jazz and Blaster pulls out all the tapes. You don't really get to see Blaster kind of shine. So I thought this was cool. Yeah, I want to add something to that. And that was, to me, one of the biggest moments of the book because – Humans and the Autobots, they just weren't getting along. And sure enough, they saw a blaster about to fire and he just puts his gun down and just said, go ahead. And that just, and they were like, well, well, dang, he's not fighting. Maybe there's something to him and it stopped them. And then they actually were able to work a plan. I love that moment. Uh, Delvin, how familiar are you with the, uh, the original series of Transformers, this run of it? I haven't read this series in so long. I can't tell you anything about it right now. Like literally, I probably read it maybe in his first run and never read it again since then. And I was probably like, when did this come out? This book came out in 1987. The series started 84. 84, I was four years old. So I was probably reading it then. Yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. from four to like seven. So I couldn't tell you anything about it right now, honestly. Well, I was mentioning it because Blaster had a pretty heroic moment uh, or story arc when they first shifted the story back to Cybertron. This was an issue 17 or 18. If you're interested in going back and looking and for anyone else uh, who might be listening to the show for the first time, uh, let's pass it to Pat. Pat, what do you have? I like the character moments, the character building, as Delvin mentioned as well, too, with Blaster and Goldbug. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, And to find their situation where they're at the end, running away from being with the Autobots and Grimlock because as mentioned before too, that Grimlock's, he was really rubbing me the wrong way. I'm like, man, 
where's my optimist? This is he not. Sucks. This, yeah. It's like, dude, you just can't say that. <laughs> you know, these are you guys. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, man. I hope it does become something like John mentioned, and I could see that where that's the way I started feeling like, oh, man, I want my Optimus back. I, you know, I don't want this guy. I want Optimus back. But so I, Pat, did, but- I, I want to I bring up a point. Do you remember in issue 24, he died and you're kind of like, eh, you know, he died and like, eh, I don't, didn't really have any emotional attachment, blah, blah, blah. And now in issue yeah. 28, you know, maybe you're starting to see the type of character that Optimus Prime was now that he's not here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, it, it totally, totally. But it, until I get to this point and you got that person in that replacement that you can do that comparison to, that's where my head, you know, I start thinking more about that and going, man, I just don't like him. Especially when they're dumbing him down now too. It's like he was a better character way back when he first showed up, when the Dinobots first showed up, than what he is now, I think. You know, I don't get me wrong, they're really, that, cool. but- they're really cool characters, but he's just not, uh, I don't know. He, and, he didn't. And the, he didn't make a great name for himself. This no. issue, there's, there's not, there's not really much questioning that unless you just like, you know, no. boneheaded autocrat leaders. And I don't know, Maggie. Uh, you don't have to add to that subject, but you could add to any subject you like. Well, what do you have oh. to add? Well, I was gonna anyways. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, yeah, because um, you know, the the issue is an interesting one in that Blaster and Goldbug kind of get to take or have this little adventure on their own. Um, there's no Optimus. There's no Decepticons. There's just kind of a cantankerous Grimlock. And I like that the issue got into the um, d- grappling with the issue of leaders and orders and whether or not they should be followed. Um, Blaster and the two police officers who look like members of the village people are both have this problem where the, the officers are told to you know fire on the Autobots and the Autobots are told, squish any humans and neither group wants to follow that order because they know it's wrong and it's bad. Um, and then at the very end, then they even ask, you know, which way is the arc? And he says it's East and they go in the opposite direction. You know, like they don't even want to go back is kind of the implication there. Are they going to, mm-hmm. and then, cause I've not ever read these before. So then my mind goes to like, are Goldbug and Blaster just like right off into the sunset and become like rogue Autobots out in the wilderness or something? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But uh, I really dug the issue. I thought it was. I thought it was a pretty uh, mature issue in some in some ways. I I like that. Yeah, I mean, normally here on Transformers Chronicles, we frown on maturity, but in this case, we'll make an exception. John, what do you have for us? Well, uh, tomorrow I am going to swing by Pat's house and pick him up and we're going out to Hollywood to pitch uh, my new idea for a a nighttime drama, uh, which is called Altman and Greco Portland PD, starring Pat (laughs) and myself as the titlier Altman and Greco while we fight against the the completely insane orders of our superior officer who tells us to go to no matter what crime you're on but if you see any of those robots you stop whatever you're doing and you kill those robots 
Single-handedly. And he is totally racist against robots, which is okay because Greco, you know, it completely looks like an, an Irish cop caricature from like the 1950s. So it shows up and, and we'll be fighting against our, our mortal enemies, Deadhead and Fuzzy. And with, with my catchphrase of what seems to be all the problem then, I'm telling you, we'll make millions. <laughs> Like that, that seems way too well thought out, actually. <laughs> uh, I've not heard that plan before just this moment, so... <laughs> <laughs> I think I could pull off that hat. I think I'm you could, that's what... An open, yeah. I'm a little hurt that there's no part for me in that. Well, you know, it could be... We could do some uh, gender, you know, swapping and for the characters, you know, for the reboot. That's generally how it goes, so... <laughs> Thanks. You Thanks. could be um, Altman or Greco. Yes. Or, or you could just, you could always, there's always a love interest. Like, you, you could be the character. I want to be like, the love I'm, interest. I'm worried about you all I'd better be the mechanic. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> Those robots are eventually going to get sick. It'd be great if the mechanic was a woman. That would have been cool. The mechanic could be a woman. I mean, the power yeah. lever, you can pick up all oh, sorts yeah. of stuff. So I mean, you go. I can't be a mechanic, but yeah. Other Look, Ma- Maggie the mechanic is very, very um, alliterative. So I think there, you're kind of stuck go. there, Maggie. Yep, now, yep, yep. as for as for the comic book, lady and gentlemen, is there anything else that anyone else wants to add? I, I don't want to belabor the point too much because I'm sure we could talk about it much, much longer. But does anyone have any other finer points that they want to bring up about the book? I have a question. Go for it. Why? I don't know if I missed something, if I didn't read an issue, but why is Bumblebee now Goldbug? You didn't miss anything. Did that just change in the books? With I think John mentioned something about a G.I. Joe issue. I have a feeling that if we all hold tight here, oh, that's right, we might get some information (laughs) in that very regard, like a a a highlight or spotlight, if you will, may be shown upon that transformer. Okay, cool, cool. Yep. We got it coming. Yeah, it's, it's a doozy. Uh, Pat, Delvin, do y'all have anything? I'm stuck on this gold bug thing now. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking of like how it happened in the cartoon where he just showed up like, hey, I got a paint job. Yeah. <laughs> we just watched that today. Yeah, we just watched that episode before we started recording. So kind of get into the Transformers and the gold bug kind of mindset. And, and that's like, all he does. He just gets a new paint job and he suddenly gets this whole new identity. He's an entirely new person. And that's what you shall be. (laughs) Yeah. Optimus deems it so. That's literally what happens. I'm like, huh? (laughs) Damn, many times in battles for now. Like, I got a new paint job. (laughs) They upgraded my chassis. Like, oh, yeah, okay, you're a new Transformer now. Like, that's how it works. (laughs) (laughs) His His mask is different. His. His face is a little different too, ain't it? Mm-hmm. In, face in, is yeah. different. Transforms into in the this, same VW bug. The, uh, but right. well, the the one I'll get, I get at this a little bit more today. The art um, on Goldbug isn't quite quite finalized yet. You're going to see mm-hmm. a change. They they mentioned it in the collection. They weren't on the same page with what he's uh, supposed to look like. So at this point, you've got Goldbug's head on Bumblebee's body transforming into bumblebee about halfway mm-hmm. through the next issue he'll change into what his um his new form is and i i like the way they make his his form eventually look like in the comic anyway uh, gold bug essentially is bumblebee with botox 
That's <laughs> exactly. Willier's stats. Implants and Botox. I kind of like his mm-hmm. head. His head looks neat. I kind of liked uh, Bumblebee's new look in the issue, even though it was highly confusing as to why it changed out of nowhere. But I thought his helmet kind of looks like a like a knight, like a medieval knight's helmet. I thought he looked kind of cool. I shiny. would definitely say it was interesting that they made no effort whatsoever to explain it. They didn't. Yeah. And Odd you would think that you think that either Bob would have written something in there or the editor would have put a note as in, you want to know why uh, Goldbug, his name Goldbug and not Bumblebee, go to G.I. Joe versus Transformers. But we're giving away a lot of stuff in John's spotlight. I just know it. Anyone else have any other comments? I, I see some shaking heads. That's an excellent time for a transition. So now is the time for us to talk about who had the touch, where we talk about which character in the book stood out the most, be it Autobot, Decepticon, or Human. John, lead us off. Who had the touch to you? Yeah, there were a couple of choices to choose from. Almost went with Blaster, just because he's kind of fun all around and has some of the better dialogue. The one bit where Grimlock had told him, he goes, uh, why you not destroy humans? He goes, you know, we have a hard time getting them to cooperate us when we're not killing them. Things like that. But ultimately, I got to give it to my guy, Detective Greco from Portland PD, for who, um, who not only um, realized that he was giving orders that no reasonable person should be expected to follow and does not, but is one of the few humans that we have seen so far who actually is open-minded enough to listen to Blaster, except the fact that he's on his side, and then works together with him on a plan, and putting himself at risk due to the weird dangerousness of said plan, but it works it on out, so kudos to you, Mr. Greco, you've got the touch. I think it's his cool singing and dancing moves. Yes. Which that really startled them as he walked in the door. I'm, I'm saying. Would you like to would you like to say or sing some of those moves, Pat? Would you like me to? Absolutely. My my night is made, (laughs) and I I opened that door. I I should not have done that. But anyway, Delvin Cox, who had the touch for Transformers? My boy Blaster. Blaster, man. Blaster was cool. I I still am amazed that a character as big as Blaster can turn to a boombox that small. It shouldn't work, but it works for that character, and I I just like seeing him. Oh, he he turns to a little boombox that he's riding in with Bumblebee. Going in little adventures and stuff like that. I like that Blaster was the voice of reason in this episode. And I like that he came in like, hey, if y'all go through that door, all you cops are going to die. And it's not even in question. So let's make a plan so all of us can live and we can get through this together. I thought that was a real cool aspect of him showing his him being a tactician as well as a kind of a leader. I thought it was dope. Nice. Nice. Pat, who had the touch? I'm going to agree with Delvin on that. I think Blaster this go around uh, had the touch. I could see him as a leader. Maybe he does. I don't know. I think because he was kind of leadershipy kind of a person when he was on Cybertron. So kind of. while everybody was away. So I, I think he's definitely a good leader. But question I have though, is 
when he transforms down to that small boombox and he's in the car with Goldbug. Goldbug's got a radio. So who gets to play the music? Oh, I, would, I would think they fight Blaster, over it all the time. Because Blaster's probably a louder boombox than a car stereo. For that's sure. My guess. For sure, Blaster. I, I was going to just stare at Pat awkwardly and then transition it to Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> but as Goldbug no. the car, he can just go, you know what? You don't like the music? You get out of here and you can walk. What if Blaster so was Maggie. inside of jazz and jazz wanted to play Madonna and Blaster wanted to play him, you know, Maggie. Springsteen. Yes. I'm also going to give it to Blaster. He was pretty cool in this. I like that he was the, I'm going to agree. He was the voice of reason. He was the one that said, you know, we're not, we're on the same side here. He kind of set the record straight that the Autobots weren't working with the mechanic. Uh, and he goes out of his way to save the humans and to disobey Grimlock's orders and he is he's kind of the focal character, I think, of, of the issue. So I, I give the touch to uh, to Blaster. Master Blaster. He runs Bartertown. Little known fact. <laughs> I, like I feel Mad like Max. I should know that reference. You don't know Mad Max? Mad Max. Oh, no, I missed it. You got to go on went show Thund- way more often. It went beyond Thunderdome to him. Look. Mm-hmm. I, I we we've discussed this before. I could be like the subject for Rick's show. Rick can start every time. <laughs> Delvin, you haven't watched this movie, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no. I didn't watch it. I didn't. Okay, uh, the touch blaster. I agree with totally. And the what set it apart to me, it was just it was looking like it's going to be another contrived battle. They had already had one. Uh, where the humans uh, and the robots were being in the way. It was ramping up to be a like that way again. And Blaster just, I mean, this big freaking electro scrambler gun that he has just puts it on the ground and raises his hands. It's like, fire away. And as soon as he did that, it just diffused everything because it showed, look, I- I'm not here to fight you. I'm, I'm coming here in peace. And that allowed them to salvage a win for the day, if not for the Autobots, at least for the Portland PD. And it allowed them to shut down most of the mechanics operations. So that was good. I enjoyed that. Man, the Portland PD works harder than any in this country. I mean, with the sheer amount of gangsters they're constantly fighting, you know, whether or not they find Megatron. about the touch then someone had to be out of touch we talk about the character that was the worst in the book and they should have to take the fall while their boss man gets away in the segment called less than meets the eye and i put myself first here for less than meets the eye i, I, I don't quite know why but since i mentioned that in the segue i am going to go with poor one I, I think i wouldn't say he's the worst in the book but i would say that like he absolutely took the fall <laughs> and like he was just a henchman. He didn't even have any of the tools. He didn't have the cool guns. He didn't have the power lever. He had nothing. And yet he's the <laughs> one that's about to take the fall and the mechanic got away with all of it. I mean, and come on, it's not like the mechanic can even run fast. So yeah, I feel bad for one. So less than meets the eye for me. John, who's less than meets the eye? 
Man, again, there's a, a lot of candidates in here. I mean, it, not so much as worst in the book, but everybody kind of takes turns passing the idiot ball around for a little while. I mean, Goldbug's like, hmm, what's in this door? Whoa, a magnet. And and Blaster, even though as much, you know, of, of cool stuff he was doing throughout this, when he gets them together and makes the plan, if we really, let's break this plan down. Shall we? He goes, okay, so here's what we do. You there, cop, are, I'm going to transform into a thing. You're going to walk me right in there to a bunch of armed mobsters. And then I'm going to fire my electro scrambler at all of those guns and the cops are going to charge in so that rather than the gun shooting at them, they will shoot in random directions. We'll hope that it's not where you are. Luckily, it wasn't. And they all shot at itself and everything did turn out okay. But I mean, maybe go back to the drawing board before you come up with that plan blaster. But ultimately, I'm giving it to the mechanic because I I don't know. (laughs) The mechanic is, let me say, just not the most compelling of Bob Budiansky's creations. I mean, He's trying. I I kind of almost admire the fact that at least he's going with a little bit more of a mechanic sort of thing in this one than the last one. But ultimately, he's just a portly dude who stole some ratchet stuff. And so the mechanic is who I give it to. Maggie? I am. So I have written here on my little card, less than meets the eye. Grimlock for being a bad Dinobot. I'm gonna give it to Grimlock because he was—he gave the order to squish the humans if they got in the way. He threatened to punish uh, Goldbug and Blaster if they failed in finding the mechanic. Clearly, he didn't retain any of the previous qualities uh, he had kind of learned in the previous issue. Just those just completely went out the window, um, and he's just kind of a despot now. And it makes me wonder, though, because it it doesn't seem as if Grimlock's reign is going to last very long. And if that's the case, you know, who is going to who's going to overthrow him? You know, now that Optimus is is gone and we ostensibly forever, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But like, who's going to take over? Is Grimlock going to get like, is he going to lose his position or are they going to keep him there? He's already dividing the Autobots because Goldbug and Blaster headed off in the opposite direction of the arc in the, at the end of the issue. So I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes and how that pans out. Suffice it to say, that's going to be a storyline for uh, the next um, foreseeable future. Let's just put it that way. Delvin Cox, who's less than CI? I have an honorable mention, and the honorable mention is the two idiots who are trying to break in in Bumblebee to, to take <laughs> Deadhead like, and Fuzzy are they. Like, like what, what are y'all doing? Like, let's just take a rock and break the glass. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the door closes twice on you. Come on, get the hint. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh, the car's moving on its own. Like, okay. I don't want to see no more of you guys no more. Just <laughs> move along out of this issue. <laughs> like, <laughs> And then they got apprehended by the cops and didn't even do anything. Yeah. So not a good arc for Deadhead or Fuzzy. Yeah, not a fan <laughs> of them. But Mechanic steals just a tool in the best sense of, sense of the word. Like, uh, he feels so much like an 80s comic book character where like, hey, we don't want to show you somebody too violent or too scary, so let's give you a, a fat guy with what looks like a wrench. Call him the Mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> This is the bad guy. We got these big transformers facing this fat guy with a wrench. <laughs> like, 
Peak 80s comic book. That's awesome. That'll be in the Sweeps Weeks episode of Pat and Maya's new show, Altman and Greco, Portland PD. Yeah, they met Pat their biggest challenge. Fat guy with a wrench. <laughs> uh, I'm tossed between the mechanic and Grimlock. It's a toss up between those two right now. So they both, to me, get, you know, less than meets the eye because that's how they were. You can go a little further. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, Grimlock, like Maggie said, just because his leadership skills were just horrible. Uh, when I thought I'm coming off of what he was. So now he's acting this way, really just totally different than what he was. So that's why for that. And the mechanic just, eh, that's a really lesser character here that I think they could have put somebody else in there than the mechanic. And it could have just been a crime story or what, you know what I mean? But I do. Maybe Joey Slick could have made a run or something, but they had this mechanic (laughs) guy and he had the power lever and stuff. So at least they remembered it. I don't know. They go back to it again. Maybe like some senior editor for Marvel saw it and just like, yeah, you need to cancel that. But in any event, we have talked a lot about Transformers 28. It is time to rate the book. Same deal as before, one through 10, like the tech specs of old, to describe how we feel about the issue. And Delvin Cox will lead us off with his overall ratings for the book. I'm going to give it a solid seven. I thought it was really good. I thought there was, I didn't, I, like I said, I, I don't necessarily like when Transformers face humans because it doesn't seem like a fair fight in actuality when you really look at the logistics of it. But I thought that this was done very well. I liked who the characters that were used. Uh, even though the mechanic is woefully disappointing, I do like I like Goldbug and I like Blast. I thought Blast did a great job and he showed cool leadership abilities that I want to see from that character. So I thought it was great. Nice, nice. Maggie, what would you rate the book? I'm going to agree. I think seven is a good number to give this book. I really liked it overall. I enjoyed the art. I liked the character work um, with the exception of like the mechanic and the, the, the dummies at the beginning of the book. Uh, you know, a couple little little tiny things here and there, um, but nothing too major. So, yeah, I, I think seven is a very fair rating for this book. Cool. Pat? I'm going to go right at a seven as well, too. I think what this one did is pulled me into the characterization of all that, all the characters in here. So, I'm, you know, I, I felt really passionate. Like, I, I hate Grimlock. Like, ah, I hate him. He just mm-hmm. makes me mad. And, and, but I like the character moments between Blaster and Goldbug. So I, I want to read the next issue to just see wh- where this goes and how long it takes for them to oust Grimlock. That's my mission now. Man, I think, Pat, uh, you and me from the past reading this would get along really well just based on that. We could have had entire friendship built off mm-hmm. of how much we hated Grimlock as yep. the uh, leader right now. We could start a club. Yes. No Grimlock yeah, Grimlock Club. club. The, the gotcha. He-Man Grimlock Hades Club. <laughs> <laughs> Leave He-Man out of this. <laughs> John, what would you rate the book? One through ten. I'm going to also give this a seven. It's it's greater than the sum of its parts. It has so many things in it individually, which if I would look at it, I would say that is not the kind of thing I like in a Transformers comic. But altogether, I wound up really enjoying the story, all of the people, the it, it's I've become very comfortable with the over the so the sometimes this side of over the top goofiness that can come up. But it, it reminded me a lot of issue 15, where 
where uh, Johnny Sl- or Joey Slick, whoever it was, had the had Megatron and ran around. And Bob mm-hmm. likes his little. Bob loves his little stereotypical drum um, gangsters, or maybe he's trying to warn us about the horrible organized crime that exists in Portland. We'll have to ask Rick. But it was a lot of fun. So a seven. I think I'm fine with that. I mean, I don't feel so overly strong about the issue that I want to rate it much higher. I think seven's good rating. I think that Bob does a very good job. He'll put like a silly human interest story in there, but it ultimately advances the story of the robots. And so if there's any huge takeaway from this, it seems to be that Goldbug and Blaster did not like the direction that the new Autobot leader was taking them. And so they decided to take their talents west, excuse me, east and go elsewhere. And if you eliminate every bit of human interest out of the story, that's the robot part of it. And that's not a bad place to end the book. Blast and Goldbug took their talents to South Beach. <laughs> I don't know. They made it quite deceptive. You know what? The, the Decepticons are in Florida right now. Is that where Goldbug's gym come from? <laughs> <laughs> We can and never will leave you without John's segment of the show called Transformer Spotlight, where he discusses a particular Transformer, which was featured in today's issue. All yours, John. Sit back, everybody. This is going to take a bit. Goldbug. Uh, here's what you'd see on the back of Goldbug's card on the original toy. His allegiance is Autobot. His subgroup is Throttlebot. His function is Espionage Commander. He's gotten a promotion since Bumblebee's the, uh, function being Espionage. Uh, his motto is, to know others, you must know yourself first. Has the mind of the Autobot Bumblebee, but new, improved body. More serious, assertive, mature than he was. Realizes what others think of him isn't nearly as important as what he thinks of himself. Excellent fuel efficiency, two and a half times better than the next Throttlebot. Adaptable to underwater, cold, and hot environments. Can withstand temperatures from negative 150 to 180 degrees Fahrenheit. His his stats on a scale of 1 to 10. His strength... Now remember, Bumblebee's original strength was 2, so his strength now is 9, his intelligence is 8, his speed is 4, his endurance is 8, his rank uh, remains 8, his courage is 10, his firepower is 1, and his skill is 7. Now the Throttlebot toy Goldbug was released in 1987, and like all the other Throttlebot toys, um, he has a pullback motor and a very simple transformation. Now this is a very nice way of saying that he's a pretty crappy toy. Um, The robot mold had absolutely no mobility and its arms were thin rectangles which flapped out from the sides and barely qualified as limbs. Uh, The the entire um, action of the toy was that you would pull it back and it would drive forward and then kind of flip itself up in a really lame version of the jump starters and the battle chargers that were already out too. But the vehicle mode was not designed to look like the penny racers that the original minibots were, so its variation on the Volkswagen Beetle was much more realistically proportioned actually. And despite made of gold plastic, he does not seem to suffer from what is called his gold plastic syndrome which anyone who's a collector of any plastic toys from the 80s knows that um, gold plastic has a particular um, brittleness to it, which would just completely crumble out. But Goldbug didn't have that issue. So 
Yay, if you bought this lame toy back then, you still probably have it. Though the other Throttlebots seem to have always been intended to be new characters, Goldbug's head was based directly on that of Bumblebee's original toy. And Bumblebee was the second Transformer to be given a second toy, um, Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime uh, being released the previous year and uh, Megatron and Galvatron also. Now the Throttlebots were also part of what was called the decoy promotion in 1987 and the carded toys came with a soft rubber figurine along the lines of those little wrestlers or mutants, um, little doll things that you would find in vending machines. They, they would be like little robot versions in that plastic and it was like they had an Optimus Prime and an Ultra Magnus and a Galvatron and they were supposed to be little decoys that they would you would send out in a Apparently, it would fool the other side in the little mini-comic that came with it. The Throttlebots were the only team to come with either Autobot or Decepticon decoys. The other toys in the promotion only came with decoys of the same faction they belonged to. So, to answer, to begin answering the many questions you have about this guy, uh, here in the Marvel continuity, like we're about to find out, his origin's a bit complicated. In the United States books, he became Bumblebee in the G.I. Joe and the Transformers miniseries. Uh, a comic we skipped here on Transformers Chronicles because it's not very good. Uh, but anyway, during that, the G.I. Joe team blew up Bumblebee, um, thinking he was a threat. And after realizing the error of their ways, the G.I. Joe mainframe, with the help of Ratchet, rebuilt and improved upon his, desi his design and left him with a more powerful chassis. So he took a different name. Um, in the UK comics, where they would um, fit in their own stories along with reprints of these, they would intersperse them. They don't have G.I. Joe over there, they have Action Force, and there's rights weirdness, which led them, the G.I. Joe and Transformers Mini were not available in the UK until years later. So Simon Furman had to write an issue in which a being called Death's Head, yes, blows up Bumblebee, and he is rebuilt into Goldbug by Rekgar. You know, the UK books were on a different level sometimes. But for real? For Death's real, head. yeah. The Death's Head, yes. Created by Simon Furman, who is Death's Head 2 anyway, is in Marvel continuity regular. So even though we've moved out of Marvel continuity proper since before with Spider-Man and they've kind of changed it, Simon Furman kind of, when he comes in, accidentally brought it back a little bit. Oops. Um, in the G1 cartoon, um, you know, and I had written this down before I watched it again today. I'd written down that, that Optimus Prime, the return to Optimus Prime transformed him into Goldbug. But no, as we talked about earlier, he just got a new paint job and apparently put on a new hood and Goldbug you shall be. Um, they did a rather funny YouTube video redubbing it that is pretty hilarious. It's a bit less safe for work than this show tends to be. So anybody hit me up on social media and I'll send you a link to it. It's pretty funny. Goldbug also shows up in the IDW books, but like most characters there that are different versions of the characters everywhere else, he's actually a different being who exists at the same time and separate from Goldbug. He's just a completely, or from Bumblebee. He's just a completely different character. To further confuse matters, Bumblebee, during Phase 2 of IDW, gives himself a new chassis to face a crisis when he's leader of the Transformers, which looks exactly like the Goldbug model, but is still called Bumblebee. So, is that clear to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> right. Yes. 
I'm glad I could help. And that is Goldbug, everyone. <sighs> okay. Well. Oh, I one more thing quick. I'm sorry. I personally do love the design of Goldbug in the comics. Once we get to his full design in the next issue, he looks pretty slick. But that helps to explain to me why the toy was so infuriating to me. I mean, I always wanted the original Bumblebee and never got him. He was just never available anywhere. And it, and it wasn't like now where you could order things online. It just, if it wasn't in the store, you couldn't get it. Yeah. And it wasn't available. Well, Maggie got me one this last Christmas. So childhood trauma abated. Thanks, Babu. <laughs> um, but I did get Goldbug. And there is no unit of measure that could all fit on the same scale that would be allowed to compare the high level of joy that I felt when I held it in my hand and read his tech specs and saw that his strength now was a nine, a nine. And then also the level of despair of seeing what this crappy toy actually looked like. I had a throttle bot or two. And yeah, you're right. It was like, you can't see it, but it's almost like, just imagine your arms like completely to your side and then you just flap them out like wings. That was yep. it. Yeah, I had gold. Only... gold. Oh, yeah, gold bug. Worthless. Yep. Just not good. Yeah. It was part of the beginning of the end because they were moving on from redoes of the Takara ones, and these were Hasbro was making them um, directly and designing them directly, and it did. They really lost out on a lot of, I think, the magic that the early ones had. And this is kind of the beginning of the end of a lot of really strange decisions in the toys. Thank you for that, John. And now let's go to a promo break. The Transformers will return after these messages. In a world filled with movie themed podcasts. Thousands speak their minds, shouting their opinions into the void. Into this terrifying world of sound and noise, a new podcast about movies dares to raise its head. Appearing on the Longbox Crusade Network, in association with Jeff and Eric Present, it is the era of monthly Monday movie muckabout. Listen as people are challenged to see films that they have missed or failed to see. Hear their new appreciation for films from years past. Experience the discussions of film fans. Is the world ready for monthly Monday movie muckabout? Yes. Yes, it is. And cut. Perfect, Jeff. Great. So when are we going to start this show? Um, just me. This is my new show. I thought we talked about this. Uh, then why am I doing your promo? Because in reality, I'm an egotistical puppet master that uses people for his own profit and fame. Huh. Eh, fair enough. Da-da-da-da, monthly Monday movie muck about, watch a movie with me. We now return to the Transformers. And that's the show. Please come back and join us for the next episode where we discuss Transformers issue 29 and we see the debut of the Triple Changers. And they bring along the 1980s robotic version of COVID-19. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. If you'd like to hear more from us, the Longbox Crusade is in a lot of places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and most podcasters to include Spotify at www.longboxcrusade.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon. If you look up Longbox Crusade, you will find us. YouTube, please subscribe. We have a do it live stream once a month, every second Sunday. We're dropping additional stuff that's been on Patreon for a while. Jarrett does a show uh, that's Creator Spotlight every once in a while. Usually it's on a Tuesday. 
And I host a show called Come Out to Play, which is a new Warriors podcast that I do with Jared as well. So come check that out, please. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Special shout out to the Crusaders Club members. You know who you are. We appreciate your love and support. If you would like to join our Crusaders Club, we love to have you. Membership starts at only $1 a month, and we work hard to earn your buck. John, why don't you tell us about your podcast and where you can be found on the internet? For more Transformers talk, uh, check out the Rod Pod, where Maggie and I cover the IDW Phase 2 Transformers comics in order. And uh, also Married Watching Cartoons, where Maggie and I take turns um, showing the other one a cartoon that the other one might not be that familiar with. Sometimes we have guests on and we talk about that. You can find that on any of the podcast by just looking for Married Watching Cartoons or Married with Comics uh, on any podcatcher, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Libsyn, and or tell your Amazon device to play the Married Watching Cartoons podcast. And we're also, I am at, uh, on Twitter, I am at MWC underscore podcast. And I am at Maggie and the Rain. Pat, tell us where you can be found. Well, Devin, I am glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And that leaves our guests. Delvin, thank you so much for showing up and coming and giving us your opinions and your joy and your humor and your laughter and everything. Please let us know where you can be found out there. You can find me on Twitter at Delvin underscore Cox and check out the Delvin Cox experience anywhere you get podcasts. Very well said, sir. Thank you to everyone for listening in. I can be found on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. See you next time. And remember, freedom is the right of all sentient beings to all are one. Till all are one. All are one. All are one. All are one. You got the touch You got the power Yeah All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended and it is for entertainment purposes only. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics.